0: Out here in the perimeter, there are no stars. Out here, we is stoned, immaculate. Hello and welcome. This is David Eastall. This is the C-86 show. Um I've just been working through some archives recently to find out, um, yes, to see who I've spoke to in the last five six seven years and i'm thinking i should sort of archive them and this is one i did with the author eve golden who did a book on vernon and irene castle um she did a publication which was titled vernon and irene castle's ragtime revolution that came out on in hardback in 2007 they were the pioneers who popularized ragtime dancing just before the First World War, um, and uh, yeah. Vernon Castle also came from Norwich and found himself in the high society world of New York. Anyway, this is the interview. I hope you enjoy it. Do you want it. to just give us an, an overview of, of who they are and uh, where, you know, what period they were from and why they're sort of famous? Certainly. Well, Vernon and
1: Irene Castle basically invented the concept of going out dancing for an evening uh, before around 1912, uh, 1913, when they first became famous, really the only places that young people could go out dancing were private parties or rather disreputable bar rooms or uh, places like that. There was no nice nightclub where young people, working class or upper class, could just go out and meet each other. And the castles really invented that concept. They, they took the cabaret, and they made it respectable, And uh, they opened dancing schools, and across the nation, suddenly there was a place for young people to go out dancing and having fun and learning how to dance and meeting each other. And they were wonderful performers as well. Mm. Uh, Vernon was an expert teacher, self-taught completely, by the way. Neither one of them ever went to dance school. But he was a brilliant teacher, and uh, they performed in vaudeville and in films and were probably the most... Famous couple in the United States, and certainly the most famous dancers in the world right before World War One.
0: Which was amazing. And what sort of dancing was it that they they sort of um, either invented or sort of popularized?
1: It was polite ragtime. Uh, f- uh, from about 1900 to 1912, 1913, ragtime was rather lewd, and and people at uh, the, the turkey trot and the bunny hug and it was really uh, looked down upon uh, by almost everyone it was lots of fun of course it was like rock and roll in the right. 1950s
0: so is, is, so is ragtime is that a little bit like the foxtrot or lindy hop or jive I mean what is ragtime
1: it was it was um, pre-jazz, really. Irene hated jazz, by the way. She really resented it because jazz was more of an individual dance, and it was kind of the end of her career. But ragtime was, um, it was naughty. And uh, it was, uh, they they toned it down a bit and made it more polite and more acceptable for middle-class society. And uh, it was a, a fun dance to do. Also, he made it a lot easier to do. I was reading a lot of dance instruction manuals of the time, and if you're not a dancer, which I am certainly not, right. they're impossible to understand. And Vernon made it a lot easier. He uh, explained the steps in a way that non-dancers could understand. And remember, almost everybody took dance classes back then. It was it was a part of growing up in childhood for most people. Yes, so absolutely. So it was a lot easier to. You know, nowadays. Uh, We grow up just kind of throwing ourselves into whatever kind of dancing we learn from videos. But back then, people were instructed in this. Dance was more a part of growing up and and modern life back then.
0: Uh, Yes, I think that kind of went up till the 60s. And obviously... All 50s in this country, anyway. I, I sort of first came across um, the castles, you know, with the film, which was the, about their life, which was made um, famous by Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers, which suddenly made me think, oh, right, that's interesting. And then sort of found out that Vernon is from Norwich. And I thought, this is absolutely boggling. I couldn't quite... Get the two things together, the fact that somebody, you know, especially in this ni- early 1900s, this was before, obviously, you know, like easy communication, easy transport. How did he find himself in, not from Norwich to New York being, you know, basically one of the, the great couples of the time? Well, he
1: spent his childhood kind of bopping between Norwich and London. Uh, His family were hotel keepers and pub keepers, both in London and in Norwich. And it's his sister, Coralie, his older sister, who became an actress and married Lawrence Grossmith of the famous Grossmith acting family. And she wound up on Broadway. And that's really how that happened. He was a teenager at the time and very interested in magic. Uh, No idea of becoming a dancer at all. And he went to visit her in, I believe, 1906 uh, in New York and met uh, Lou Fields, the the producer and actor. And he was just a complete amateur, an amateur magician, had never really acted before, and had a uh, great affinity for broad comic uh, acting. And the dancing really almost came about as as, uh, part of his... Comic acting—he just kind of would fling himself about, and it turned out he was a marvelous natural dancer.
0: And this is how he met Irene as well.
1: Well, he was—he would vacation in New Rochelle, which is about, for well, exactly 45 minutes from Broadway, as the song says. It was a uh, resort town and a commuter town. Uh, north of New York, and he would vacation there, and Irene was a rather spoiled, upper-middle-class stage-struck girl who lived in New Rochelle and latched onto Vernon because he was an up-and-coming actor, and uh, turned out that they, they got along very well, started out as a friendship, they got married, and it turned out to be a wonderful partnership, both as a friendship and a love match and a professional match as well. Yeah,
0: and when did the dancing happen from their sort of time as, um, you know, on the stage?
1: Well, Irene also was not a trained dancer, so it was just remarkable that the two worked together so well. Uh, they choreographed their own steps, they took the, the popular ragtime and, and cleaned it up a bit, and it was just uh, a bit of magic that they met and they danced together so well, and they, they looked great. I mean, the two of them were very tall and very thin, so they yes. looked marvelous together. And, um They were able to convince Lou Fields to put them into a show, worked well, and got married, went to Paris, and starved for about six months. No one knew what to do with them. They couldn't get work and wound up much as – that's one of the parts of the Fred Astaire, Ginger Rogers movie, which is accurate. They got a job working in a cafe in Paris for food money and became an instant hit with their their dance routines, came back to Broadway and became – uh, both both film and stage stars, and vaudeville toured all over the country.
0: Amazing. It is an amazing story, but then, unfortunately, the First World War appeared, didn't it?
1: Well, by then, Vernon was getting bored with dancing anyway. He, he was into enthusiasms, first magic and then acting and then dancing, and uh, fell into aviation. He was very loyal to England, and as soon as the war started, he enlisted in the Royal Canadian Flying Corps, Uh, Which he did not have to do. He could have sat out the entire war if he'd wanted to. Yeah. But like so many people were, he was rather naively enthusiastic about the war and didn't really know what he was getting into, as I don't think anybody did in 1914. Absolutely. turned out to be uh, as good a pilot as he was a dancer. Uh, Way too tall. They should not have taken him, because pilots tended to be shorter, and he was uh, well over six feet tall. So he had to really scrunch himself down into those airplanes. But while Irene veered off and became a film star, uh, Vernon became a wonderful pilot. He fought in the Somme. They were, before the Battle of the Somme, they sent airplanes over for the first few days to try to bomb out the uh, German barbed wire, which did not work at all, and he was there, he was shot down twice, I believe, uh, received several medals, and came back to the U.S. and was going to divorce Irene in a friendly way, they both to split up, marry a Canadian woman he had met,
0: right. and leave
1: show business and go into a, an aviation school when he died in a training accident.
0: Oh my God, that's awful. Yes. And then obviously their legacy, you know, was such, especially, well, you know, the dancing, was that this is why the Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers kind of made a film about their lives, the story. Well, also he
1: was a dead ringer for Fred Astaire.
0: Right. They, they could have been identical twins. Did they overlap at all? Was was did Fred Astaire ever see, get to see them dance or was it just Yes, as
1: a matter of fact, Fred and his sister Adele were children in Vaudeville at the time that Vernon and Irene Castle were famous and they idolized them. They they patterned their early dance routines after Vernon and Irene Castle. So making a movie about Vernon Castle was really uh uh, marvelous thing for Fred Astaire he was he was really one of his idols.
0: Absolutely and obviously they, you know he was much more into the sort of the ballroom dance and tap dancing whereas I guess with uh, Vernon and, and Irene they they didn't sort of they didn't have that they just had the more the ragtime dance not dance routines. Well
1: fortunately if you go onto YouTube and I think YouTube is one of the greatest inventions of the 21st century I can get caught in a YouTube loop for hours you <laughs> And actually find Vernon and Irene Castle uh, film clips of them from their uh, film, The World of Life. Uh, some of the clips have Good, accurate period music behind them. Some of them don't, but you can actually see Vernon and Irene dancing on YouTube now if you do a search for them.
0: Oh, absolutely. And what about um, Vernon's family? Because he was buried in America, wasn't he? He's got the yes.
1: He and his uh, sister Coralie and her husband Lawrence and Irene are all buried in uh, New York. And um, he was he remained close to his family. He had a very happy childhood in Norwich in London. Yeah. Uh, he was. His mother died when he was very young, but he was close to his stepmother and his four sisters and his younger brother and his father. And they were a close family. Um, Irene didn't know what to make of them. She thought they were a bit middle class. You know, Irene was a terrible snob. <laughs> so when um, he brought her over to meet the family, she was rather appalled, and and she does not come off well sometimes in her own autobiography. Uh, But they were a very close, happy family, Um, and like Vernon, his father was not, and his father, and his grandfather rather, were not always good businessmen or good judges of character. Uh, Vernon was not a good businessman. He would sign any contract you put in front of him. He was not good with money, and Irene was the bad cop, he was the good cop. Uh, She would make all the hard business decisions, and and it was the same apparently with his uh, father and his wife and his grandfather and his wife
0: right because it's quite you know because that was quite nice that little piece in your book that you know they they you know came back to norwich to have a little look around to um yeah um, you know and it it just boggled me because obviously at that time that must have been quite incredible for her from going to new york to come into norwich which was probably quite backward in the early 1900s and i just kind of had that kind of what she must have looked like must she must have just stood out so much
1: (laughs) Out everywhere. She had great style. She was very tall and slim for the era, and uh, she had great style in a very you know the American girl look, which is very pared down and very little jewelry, very little uh, ruffles and frills, and and short hair, very little makeup. And she was really the exemplar of that look,
0: um, yeah.
1: which which anywhere, even in in America, certainly in the early teens. Uh, People still wore the huge hats and too many ruffles and, and uh, too much jewellery and, you know, the the overly rich lady look. Yes. And she really stood out and was a real fashion icon. She was also the, well, certainly not the first woman to bob her hair, but one of the first famous women to make the bobbed hair look
0: popular yes.
1: uh, 10 years before the flapper look of the 20s.
0: Did they go into the Charleston and, and that period at all? Was that, Were they just before that?
1: They were before that, and Irene hugely resented it. Uh, she hated the Charleston. She hated the. Uh, she hated jazz music, uh, because she was a partner dancer. Uh, right. She tried to do some individual dances, kind of Isadora Duncan sort of like things, flinging herself about with scarves, and that yeah. just did not go over well at all. There's a um, also a clip of her at the New York World's Fair in 1939 doing an individual dance, and uh, she was just not not quite enough she was a good partner dancer but Vernon was really the genius of the team she right. was a good dancer he
0: was a great dancer and what was amazing was that she actually lived to the age of 75 and only died in 1969 which was I I'm, I'm, I'm always boggled how long you know any you know back in the olden days the good old days as people call it but most people didn't live that for long and mostly got something but she did and she looked
1: Great, and she always kept up to date. She there was nothing of that no, Norma Desmond about her. She uh, right up to the end, she was very chic and stylish and slim and beautiful, and wore very up to date clothing. And uh, there was she was she did not live in the past. She married another three times after Vernon, uh, had two children, was not the best of mothers. I was uh, her her son, uh, who helped me with the book, was very fair but honest about her. Right. Uh, she was, she was a prickly character, not, right. not a very, very forceful person. He said she never walked, she always strode into a room. It was rather intimidating. I, I have a feeling she kind of had Vernon wrapped around her little finger.
0: And I would imagine coming from Little Norwich to, to the, the glamorous world of New York and also somebody probably with, you know, connections and money, she must have been quite overwhelming as well.
1: Well, he was a very good-natured fellow and, and she was um,
0: tough. <laughs> <laughs>
1: she was She was a, a very strong-minded person who was probably not always easy to be in the same room with.
0: Amazing. Yes. Well, look, Eve, thank you ever so much for this, because, you know, it's kind of been a story that I've been sort of following and tracking down. And then I came... I'm
1: so delighted that people in his hometown are taking an interest in him, and, and that's terrific, because yes. he was very proud of where he came from. Um, Uh, He was very English. I mean, he came to America and worked on Broadway, but he was always very
0: British right up to the end and very proud of that. Yeah, well, thank you ever so much. Yes, thank you. Slightly abrupt ending. But anyway, that was uh, me in conversation with the writer-author Eve Golden, whose book that is titled Vernon and Irene Castle's Ragtime Revolution is still available from all good bookshops, and probably online as well. Anyway, this has been David Eastall, The C86 Show. If you want to contact me, you can on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, just go to at C86 Show, and also i have been archiving them, and you can find these shows on Spotify, iTunes, Mixcloud, and Podbean. We love the Podbean one. Anyway, have a great week.